one thing that has worked for me is always be in student mode, always be in learning mode. Never get cocky, never get ahead of yourself. In the way the industry is evolving, it's so complex, it's so rich. And as and when you grow into the role, right, you meet so smart people, right? So keep yourself grounded and I think things will happen. The first Data Futurology event for next year is going to be Ops World, data-centric operations for business value. We're going to be hosting the community in person at the Sofitel Wentworth in Sydney on March 14th and 15th. We're going to be discussing operationalizing securely for business value, impact and scale. What are we operationalizing? Everything across the data analytics and AI space. We're bringing all the ops perspectives together into this one event. So it's going to be data ops, operationalizing data pipelines, analytics ops, operationalizing our analytics, MLOps and AI ops about operationalizing machine learning and artificial intelligence in our businesses. We're going to be discussing processes, frameworks, the observability and the future of this space. Check out the website for more and hope to see you there. I'd like to say a big thank you to our sponsors, Talent Insights. Talent Insights are Australia's leading specialist data recruitment business. With offices in Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane, they're experts at providing recruitment strategy and building data teams for clients across industries Australia-wide. They provide recruitment solutions for all roles across the data lifecycle, including data engineering, data science, advanced analytics, customer and marketing insights, business intelligence, data product managers, and data governance. They're skilled at finding the best permanent and contract hires for your business needs, as well as statement of work, project focus, data resources. At Talent Insights, relationships matter most. I can say from first-hand experience, Talent Insights are fantastic to work with. Whether you're a business leader within an HR network or a specialist data candidate, Talent Insights should be the first company you turn to for all your data recruitment needs. Find them at talentinsights.com.au. Hi, and welcome to Data Futurology. Thank you so much for joining. Today, we're going to be discussing data science and machine learning platforms as a product. It's something that a lot of the audience has been asking us about. How do you take that product lens to create a capability within a large organization? And we have an excellent person to help us discuss that. Sanchit Juneja, he is the Director of Data Science and Machine Learning Products at Booking.com joins us today. Sanchit, how are you going today? Thank you so much. Thank you, Felipe. Uh, I'm good. Thank you for having me here on the podcast. To give you a brief about myself, I am the Director of Data Science and Machine Learning at Booking.com. Obviously, I have worked across the industry. I have around 13, 13 plus years of professional experience. I worked in Southeast Asia. I worked in Africa. I worked in US and now I'm in the Europe. I've worked across organizations and national instruments, Rocket Internet, AppSphere, Paytm, and now I'm working with Booking.com, and I've been in this role for the last two years. Amazing, amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, mate. And um, uh, at the moment, so what is what is the main focus of your of your role at Booking.com at the moment? Okay, obviously. So uh, I, as we discussed, I'm a director of product for data science and machine learning platform. What it includes is uh, the data science ecosystem of even a big organization like Booking is up to a certain level of maturity. Uh, and if you're hearing a lot of industry terms, there's a lot of uh, e evolution happening in this area. So my main remit is to lead the next revolution, the next evolution, if I can say that, of Booking's data production and get the 
products ready, make sure the data enabled products that we are going to build are ready for the next uh, next journey. And uh, it's public information that booking is going for connected trip and all of, all of the things that we are doing are connected to the connected trip vision. That's excellent. That's and and uh, yeah, I've often wondered about when organizations have maturity in the space um, and, and then you need to take things to the next level. How how does that tide begin for for the organization? Um, how yeah, how has it come about for for Booking.com? So I, I have friends in the top tech organization. I have friends in Meta. I have friends in Google. Nobody is happy with where they are. So the the industry evolves much better, much faster than either of us can catch up. I think the best you can do is. Uh, is the data ecosystem that you have right now, is it sufficing your needs, right? So it doesn't need to be fancy. It doesn't need to be as cutting edge as possible. And is it, are you able to unlock business value with such an ecosystem? And if you are, then you are already there. But with booking evolving into the next next generation as a travel experience app, we found that the data the data ecosystem has to evolve and that's what we are doing so irrespective of the technological trends i think it's much more important that whether we are delivering business value uh, in accordance to the company's vision and that is the most important thing that's excellent and when when you when you're um planning and implementing this this work, uh, what type of considerations uh, do you have and do you recommend for people to have on uh, on the data side and then on the on the analytics uh, side? No, obviously, uh, I think uh, one of the things that people do realize in this ecosystem and they should is that there's a lot of things that are happening out in the industry. And even if you are a big tech org, you don't necessarily need to build everything yourself. Uh, so the build versus buy call is something that is perennially on top of your mind if you're a product leader. Uh, there are so many things that are happening, nitty gritty, so many core things that if you go on and build it inside your house, it will take you the next six months. But if you just buy a tool outside in the industry, it will actually be much more quicker for you. So I think that is one thing that is always on top of your mind, what to build versus what to buy. And uh, so it sounds like um, you, you're more on the on the buy camp uh, than no. um, as much as possible, no? No, no. So I, I would say I am more on the uh, holistic evaluation camp. Yeah. So so you you are a, you're, if you're a product org, you're a tech org, you do represent building a lot of things on your own. Mm. But you want to build things that are strategic, that are core to your heart. Yeah. But if things, anything that brings you closer to faster go to market is something that you want to do, right? At the end of the day, you want to unlock business value. So I am in favor of quicker unlocking of business value, be it by build or buy. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And um, how have you found getting uh, the either stakeholders or or team members along for for that journey and and those those decisions uh, absolutely so i think uh, if you look at the product manager as a role i think the biggest spoke in that role is stakeholder management mm -hmm. and especially if you are building platforms uh, most of your stakeholders are internal so you have to align your stakeholders a lot especially if you are looking at a paradigm change in how data is seen 
I'm not even generating the first generation, second generation, whatever paradigm, as as we discussed already, right? It's the business value alignment that is more important. But any kind of change, if you want to bring into an org, requires a lot of buy-in. So the buy-in has to be both bottoms up and tops down. Uh, the leadership has to have a buy-in that, okay, this is necessary for the next step in our evolution. And the bottoms up buy-in is also necessary because at the end of the day, the developers and the PMs and the EMs who are actually on the ground are going to implement it. So it's it has to be very organic, very holistic, or it's not a good experience for either side. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's that's really good. And um, there's been a lot of a lot of people in the you know at least in our audience who have been interested in in the products uh, in the product I guess track maybe uh, within within data science and, and ML. Um, how how do you define the the product work in in our space? Obviously, uh, so. What I like to see is uh, there's a very nice book I just read, which is Intensive Data Applications, uh, How to Design Data Intensive Applications. Uh, it's by O'Reilly Publishing. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's a very nice book if you are looking at product evolution in terms of uh, and how do uh, you as a product craft leader look at uh, look at this. So if I can maybe divide the ecosystem into data and machine learning, and then we can maybe further split it machine learning into ML ops and applicative machine learning. So if you look at data, uh, data has multiple generation of products. The first generation of products is something like the basic data ecosystem, your data lake, your data storage, your data ingestion pipelines, etc. What we like to call it as a first generation product, and it's, it's a standard term in the industry. Uh, these are basic systems, They're just like any technical system. So there's always a technical product management, technical acumen required. So there's a lot of work that has already happened here. But on top of these systems are second and third generation products built for data. And there's a lot of advent already happening in this space. So you can have, let's say, an experimentation tool built on top of a basic data ecosystem. You can have a segmentation targeting tool built on top of a data ecosystem. You can have data exchange ecosystems built on top of this. So this is the second or third generation of products that is seeing a lot of activity already in the market. And obviously, as we as product leaders need to be very cognizant of it. Now, if we come to the machine learning part, uh, the machine learning part is neatly split into two areas, which is the ML ops layer, which is the ML tooling layer. A lot of activity already happening there, a lot of system activity, already technical product management is very well established there. But if you look at the applicative ML side, the the space is humongous, right? Everything from uh, self-driving cars to drug discovery is happening on applicative side. Uh, I used to be a chess player. Uh, Alpha Zero has already beaten the best chess engines, right? So it's a very exciting space. And obviously, product managers have a part to play in it, but it's an evolving part. And uh, I, I see that machine learning managers play a much more advanced part in that area rather than a product manager. Yeah, that's really good. So it seems like the the um, your views on product management is that they uh, they need to be quite technical in in our at least in in our space. Um, is that a, is that a, a fair summary? And then, what are some of the other skills that you see as, as key for the role? Absolutely. So, uh, 
even if not, let's say not technical, you need to be tech aware, uh, tech excited, if I can say that, because mm-hmm. uh, the, the learning curve is so steep. Uh, you enter with a certain set of skill set, you cannot rely on those set of skill sets. So you should always be learning, be happy and be excited to learn new things. Uh, that is definitely a very important skill set. St- good stakeholder management is definitely a very important skill set. Uh, being comfortable with ambiguity is very important because you're working with un- hitherto unknown systems. You're connecting these different kind of pipelines. You're working at a very different scale. Uh, let's say if you are ever working in an OLTP or normal transactional platform kind of a use case, the things that you take for granted, such as access management, etc are not not something you can take for granted at a large scale, right? So there are so many things that change when data grows at volume. So being open about new experiences, being open about learning is, I think, the very important skill. That's really good. And how um, how do you make the trade-off decisions um, around the product uh, as you're uh, either as you're implementing or or building towards a vision, what are what are some of the the trade-offs that need to be done uh, in the in the product decisions? Absolutely. So uh, the, the trade-offs are multivariate. Uh, I think uh, you always, as a good product leader, start with a product vision, and you are always trying to get there, but the road is never straight. So you take detours around the way. And the detours are real politic, right? So sometimes some priority comes up, which you have to do. Uh, some some system issue comes up that you cannot get around. Some scaling issues, some limitation comes up. Because you're working in a platform, right? You are not delivering in, in silo. You're working with 10 different stakeholders in that. And any stakeholder, anything gets disturbed, you have to find a workaround. So you every day in your job, you work with trade-offs. And what is the mindset shift that um, that you would recommend for people that may be doing ad hoc pieces of work or or, or kind of like one off? Uh, what's the the change of mindset from there to a platform perspective or a platform uh, mindset? Obviously, uh, so so let's say if you are working in a silo, doing an ad hoc kind of work, uh, it's much easier to estimate how much work, how how quickly you can do something. Because it's only you, right? You are only building the thing. And worse comes to worse, you can be X or Y plus or minus, right? Uh, but when you are realizing and you are part of this big cog of a machine, uh, you are some of different parts. So the planning muscle is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you align regularly with the, the other parts is very important. How do you make sure that uh, what the other teams are doing and what you are doing is sharing the success because at the end of the day, they cannot be working towards your success. They should be working towards their own success or else the motivation will die down. So some of these things actually are you realize as you grow into a platform product leader and uh, you start to optimize towards those yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I really like that about being able to share the wins, um, build good relationships, keep up to date and connected with what's happening in the organization and make sure that everyone's moving towards their their goals. Um, that's really good. And um when you when you look back at your at your product journey, what um 
Well, I guess two questions. One is, what are you most proud of? Um, and then another one is, what would you do differently? Uh, so I'm proud of all the roles that I did, right? Uh, in booking, I've been in last two years, I worked on the OLTP platforms. I led the zero to one for our OLTP platform, one of our order platforms. And I'm now doing the zero to one to the OLAP platform, the data analytics platform. So I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very excited as long as I'm learning into the role. This has always worked for me. So I've, I've been into the industry for the last 15 years. Uh, the one good thing is once you have been in the industry, you start realizing what you like and what you definitely don't like. Mm -hmm. right? So I definitely like a challenge. I like learning. So that has always worked for me. And any role that gives me that, I'm very happy on that. Right, And uh, that has always worked for me. I think as long as I get that, and this is what I always tell, let's say the PMs and the GPMs who work with me is you have to find your sweet spot, what works for you, right? And if that core thing works for you, everything else is immaterial, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And what, what are some things that you would have done differently uh, when, you, yes. when you look back? Um, I, I think uh, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? Mm. I, I had, I think I had a very good opportunities to get on the ground floor of some very exciting startups. Uh, I think this, that FOMO feeling never goes away. So I think in hindsight, if I had, let's say, five years, 10 years back, if I had a time machine and I can tell my five, 10 years back, I might might as well have said, okay, take risks. Right. Yeah. I should yeah. have taken more. Yeah. And uh, were those risks about the the type of uh, type of roles to take, or the types of organizations to to work in, uh, yeah. or, or or the delivery of projects? What type of risk would those be? Yeah, so so from a role point of view, I'm very happy. I think uh, product management is something that I really like, and I would like to continue. I think the kind of risk would have been, let's say, in personal money matters. I could have invested in some areas where I didn't. I was much more conservative, uh, invest in some other organizations, some very young tech organization that some of my friends built, which are doing very well right now, mm -hmm. billion dollar corporations. So wow. from an investment point of view, I, I think I lacked a certain killer mindset, if I can say that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, no, that makes sense. And in your time in, in product management in, in the ML and AI space, how have you seen the, the space evolve? Yeah, uh, so... Uh, you, whenever you enter into a role, you're always a student, right? And that's always a good mindset to have, always be a student. Uh, I'm constantly on the hook. I'm constantly reading on stuff, right? And I'm constantly amazed by how fast the industry is changing, how fast the ecosystem is changing. So you, so theoretically and practically, there's a big difference in how we see theory versus how we see practically. I'll give you an example, right? Uh, if you're a young engineer, the first thing you see is, okay, monoliths are bad. Microservices are good, right? And then you enter into the industry and see, okay, the biggest organizations in the world, the Metas and the Facebooks, they are also, they are still a lot of monoliths and they challenge your theoretical knowledge, et cetera, that, okay, maybe not all monoliths are bad. Maybe in certain conditions, microservices are good and monoliths are okay, et cetera. So this, this, this paradigm change only happens once you start working. 
And I've seen the same in the data and machine learning ecosystem as well. There's a lot of theoretical knowledge to go about and a lot of theoretical practitioners to go about, but nothing beats actual practical on the ground experience. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very true. And and um, um, and so definitely that that we need we need the um the experience. And I think um that the the oh I guess I wanted to ask you more about about product product management um in our in our space and how that's taken shape and uh, formed or or evolved that um you know i don't know maybe maybe a decade ago maybe a little bit longer there was no product management in uh for ai and ml or maybe it was it was forming and uh and now it seems like such a you know key component of of organizations that are taking this seriously um how how did you see that we got from sort of from not having this discipline to it being uh, a key capability of, of organizations? Absolutely. Uh, so the 10, 15 years back, I think uh, when I was in school, we used to learn about neural networks and network. So the fuzzy logic, the self-trained ecosystem, that was always part of the curriculum. That was always part of the understanding. It's just that we didn't have the computing power we have right now. That the Moore's law has really kicked in. So I think that is a, that is a, changing phenomenon if i can say that right and what i like to see is i think product manager as a role in one form or the other always existed uh, product manager as a role if we can actually define it in one word is somebody who is talking about the customer experience right if, let's say that your customer can be internal your customer can be external somebody who is a customer advocate is a product manager right uh, there always used to be a role 10 15 years back uh, when the tech the tech ecosystem was in its first generation, second generation of tech organizations, uh, they were mostly project managers, people who were talking directly to the customer and they were saying, okay, bringing the requirements. Now, what has happened is the tech ecosystem has evolved so much. Products are evolving so much, right? And uh, rapid deployment has happened. People can create their product like this right now. There are no code tools, right? So products are evolving much quicker. That's why product management as a role has become so much more mainstream. It's actually one of the hottest careers right now, right? And so has been the advent of a new technology, the data and machine learning. And if I can club it all together, artificial intelligence, right? Uh, just like any industry fad, you will see a spike. You will see a lot of adoption happen. And then you will see a fall. Then you will see, okay, the next abstraction over it uh, obviously i don't know what happened what that would be but the next abstraction will take over it but uh, just like any other industry there would be a spike here as we uh, agree on and then there would be a fall this is what i foresee i think yeah yeah definitely um and and in your case who who are your customers for uh, for your capability in your platforms yeah so uh, i take care of an internal platform so internal or internal teams within the B.com ecosystem are my customers. Yeah, great. And how, how do you interact and how does your teams work with your with your customers? Yeah, obviously. So a lot of interactions is uh, ad hoc. It happens on a one-on-one -on -one basis, but mm -hmm. there are a lot of formal processes around it as well. 
and how our systems interact with each other is obviously a medley of our dance right how our systems interact their system calls they are human calls to each other etc etc so uh, there's a complex uh, mishmash behind it but uh, a lot of alignment happens in interpersonal connections yeah yeah and um and then um how do you track the um either the the progress or the um maybe the value you're mentioning you're mentioning a, a strong focus on on value for the organization how how do you track the um the incremental uh, value that uh, you uh, you and your teams are adding as a, as a platform absolutely uh, so th- this is what i like to s- talk to a lot of my pms as well uh, so let's say if you are a front end product manager right your value is very apparent right you change one button you have plus 1.8% of revenue right and that's why i like to call the front end pms as the first generation pms those are the pms that started out let's say when we started our marketplace kind of a products but as and when the tech products are evolving they are getting more complex we are getting into platform product management though if let's say the impact of a product management on front end is y equal to fx the impact of a platform product manager is a function of function of x and uh, we are building services that is actually enabling the front ends to impact the customers so we are mm-hmm. one layer removed from the actual customer right so a lot of times pf platform pms don't get their due and that's why getting connected to actual business impact is very important and typically how it happens is just like in front end whenever you deploy something you deploy it under an experiment similarly whenever you deploy a platform uh, let's say a service or a sub component of a platform you can deploy it under an experiment as well so you can actually find out let's say i deployed this service which actually impacted the front end to do this much amount of business impact so i actually enabled a multiplier effect on that business mm-hmm. impact this is how you as a platform actually encapsulate your value you tell okay this is how my service delivered in terms of a front end business value yeah i can see that and what what type of um what type of maybe tracking or 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 lineage um or i guess the question is how how do you um how do you keep track of the the downstream uh impacts that are coming from as a result of the the platform work now ah, okay so if you are mentioning about the industry term lineage uh obviously uh if you are maintaining a data ecosystem you work in the ecosystem of lineage right and lineage is basically having your data ecosystem very well labeled so let's say if i am producing data and passing it around to the platform i want to make sure that everything that is happening to data along the way is tracked so that i can keep a tab on if any manipulation on that data happens so somewhere down the line if let's say that data is forming a training set in some machine learning model i can tell whether there is bias to that data or not uh, obviously we have similar systems for that as well yeah yeah and and how how does your platform team work with with areas like um data governance data management um in uh within the organization uh we have uh, pillars on data governance and data management as well mm-hmm. uh we work very closely with these pillars 
and uh, they, they form a part of the data and machine learning platform ecosystem yeah and um i know that you've been um um moving moving into um evangelizing as as part of the part of, part of the role uh, so can you tell me a little bit more about that that aspect yeah obviously evangelization works uh, across levels right In- internally you are evangelizing you are evangelizing the adoption of your platform and that is a continuous process because your product manager is always selling your product so always mm-hmm. looking for adoption of your product right but you are also evangelizing a lot of good things that are happening within your ecosystem outside as well and that's what you will see a lot of my team present in papers etc and research uh conferences etc a lot of what work we do uh is actually part of that evangelization outreach so that a the developers the team who are actually building this are motivated because they are building something state of the art and obviously they get the exposure that is present for them in the industry yeah that's that's really good and uh, any what what would be your some of your top tips for people looking to uh do more evangelizing in their organizations and looking to get traction uh for their products internally uh i think there are a lot of fancy things you can do but what has always worked for me is uh as a product manager your role is to influence people without an official hierarchy mm. and if you are doing that well you are training that muscle you will find ways to influence people you will find ways to reach out to leadership you will find ways to influence people who are above your station to your way of thinking and that's why i really like the product management role because it's an amazing role you you are actually trying to get people to do things without an official hierarchy for a very long time right until you become a product leader then you have a team supporting to you but for a very long time if you are let's say a pm or a senior pm then you don't have an official hierarchy but you are working with engineering you are trying to make them see your point of view mm-hmm. you are working with program management you are trying to make them see your point of view similarly i think uh, if if your storytelling is very good and i think that is one skill that i rate above everything else in product management if you can tell a good story uh, you will be able to convince people to your way of thinking it seems like it's a very uh, broad and very um challenging role in the sense that they, there's a lot of um diverse skill sets that are required to to be a a successful product manager um what 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 differentiates the um the good from the very good uh, or the good from the excellent i i would never know and I, i create myself as a below average pm i think uh yeah but but i think as i said right one thing that has worked for me is always be in student mode always be in learning mode never get cocky never get ahead of yourself in the way the industry is evolving it's so complex it's so rich and as and when you grow into the role right you meet so smart people right so keep yourself grounded and i think things will happen yeah that's really great and what what do you see coming next um in the industry either from a um from a, a a pm perspective or from a data science and ai industry as, as a whole obviously i think i was part of the product school panel and this this is something that we discussed in depth whether there's so much automation happening right so is the role of a pm in jeopardy or is the role of a developer in jeopardy right 
I, I think one thing that I I have thought a lot about this, and one thing that will not change any amount of abstraction that we bring into the tech ecosystem or into the world that we live in, is that people will always work with people. That they, there would always be a place for somebody influencing somebody else. There would always be a place to sell something, whether you're selling yourself, whether you're selling your product, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think uh, I am pretty confident that PM as a role it will evolve, but it's not going anywhere, right? So from that is from a craft point of view, the product management point of view. From a data and machine learning ecosystem point of view, the the scale is humongous, right? Uh, I I read two articles and next day there are two competing articles, right? So. So things are changing very quickly, obviously. But what I'm very heartened to see is the pace with which the applicative ML part is growing. Right? Just, just I, I, as I said, right, I used to be a chess player. I, I'm a occasion Go player, and both of these areas have been really overtaken by AI. And and the, the amazing part here is the AI is not as good as brute computing algorithms. So the AI does calculations in a much more humane way, right? So I will give you an example. The top chess engine is Stockfish, and it does a ridiculous amount of calculations per second, and that's how it's a top chess engine. But AlphaGo came in, and it does a fraction of the calculation to Stockfish, and it still managed to comprehensively beat Stockfish, right? So just just goes to show that intelligence is much more nuanced. Then we then we give it credit for the machine learning ecosystem has so many tricks up its sleeve, and that's why it's a very interesting place to be in. Yeah, yeah, that's great, mate. Yeah. Thank you so much. I think it's a fantastic note to end on. Thank you so much for your time, for sharing your journey, for helping us clarify the role of product management in the space, and also discussing what's coming up next in the area. Sanjit, thank you so much for your time. Awesome. Thank you so much, Felipe. Yeah. That brings this episode to conclusion. Thank you so much for listening. Please find us on datafuturology.com or on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram as Data Futurology. Also go to datafuturology.com forward slash podcast to find the show notes for this and any other episodes. If you liked this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it was helpful and valuable for you. Thanks again and see you next time.